0: Hi, you're listening to the Yale Anesthesiology Podcast. Make sure to visit our show website so that you can take advantage of the links of the papers that will be mentioned during this recording. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Antonio Gonzalez, and today I'm thrilled to present our next guest. Dr. Allison Lee is an Associate Professor of Anesthesiology at Columbia University and an Officer of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion for her Department of Anesthesiology. Dr. Lee has published some fantastic articles about racial and ethnic maternal health disparities, which she will discuss with us today. Besides, she has shared her knowledge regarding this topic as a guest speaker at many institutions and international meetings. Welcome, Dr. Lee. It is a pleasure to have you here with us today talking about racial disparities.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here as well.
0: All right, so I think like we cannot start uh, any discussion without talking about the current statistics and data regarding maternal racial disparities and how they affect maternal health outcomes. Would you please talk about that?
1: Well, I think in, um, especially since the COVID pandemic, it's been very clear that um, you know race affects health outcomes, and it's even more clear when it comes to maternal health inequities. Um, we see that black and Hispanic women are at least three times more likely to die in pregnancy or associated with pregnancy than um, white women. And um, that is a cause for major concern in, this, in the context of um, a maternal health crisis in the country overall, where maternal, health, uh, mater- maternal mortality is increasing and continues to increase. In terms of the causes of of maternal mortality, we do see differences um, according to race. Uh, Some of the most recent data show that the leading causes for uh, Black women is uh, cardiac and coronary conditions. But I find it interesting that the overall leading cause of death is actually mental health conditions. And of course, up there at the top of the leading causes of death um, is hemorrhage as well.
0: Yeah, very interesting results. And uh, we discussed that in a previous episode. So uh, just grabbing onto that. So when we talk about, let's say cardiovascular disease seems to be very marked on these uh, black patient population, What would you say to those who think these reflect a racial predisposition to a disease that highly contributes to maternal mortality, and that is why we are seeing these discrepancy between races and maternal mortality?
1: I think we need to have extreme caution when you engage in what's called um, biological determinism, where you think that um, everything can be attributed to genetics. We already know that genetics, genetic differences, even among patients who are classified as black, uh, is very, very um, varied. And, you know, sub Saharan Africa is the most um, genetically diverse diverse place on the uh, on, in, on the planet. And so attributing um, a, a disease process to genetics is, uh, I think, false and, and, and faulted. Because um, when you think, think about black race, race is a social construct and so um, trying to equate someone who may come from a very genetic different genetic background say east africa versus an african-american who where there's a lot of genetic admixture i think is 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 a false presumption so you cannot equate race as being the reason for the differences i think it's more likely that we're going to see these differences related to social determinants of health we know that race can be a somewhat of a proxy for exposures like greater environmental pollution exposure or, um, you know, greater stress, um, greater exposure to stress and less social support.
0: So you mentioned two very important things. You mentioned uh, one, social determinants of health, and you mentioned stress. So in, an, in your article, you mentioned an excellent article published in the New England Journal of Medicine titled Misrepresenting Race, and they state the following, end quote. Race is not a biologic category based on innate differences that produce unequal health outcomes rather it is a social category that reflects the impact of unequal social experiences on health i'm guessing that these um unequal social experiences on health is what you're referred to as the social determinants of health can you um further explain a little bit more um the, the ter- social determinants of health
1: well the social determinants of health refers to um you know the, the neighborhoods that people live in their access to Healthy food, uh, green spaces, uh, access to healthcare, um, access to education, and all of these uh, factors are going to play a role in your health outcomes. And most of these social issues are tied in with structural racism. So patients are, who are are, um, are black are probably more likely to. Have uh, live in areas of economic deprivation because of the legacy of structural racism. And we talk, when we talk about structural racism, I'm talking about things like a history of redlining that has that locked a lot of um, black neighborhoods in concentrated poverty. And if you're you live in a poor neighborhood, you're more likely to live in a maternity maternity uh, healthcare desert. You're less likely to have access to the fresh food and grocery stores that have um, good quality food you're less like you're there's less economic investment in your neighborhood you're less likely to have access to quality schools and education access to job opportunities so all of these things are which are social determinants are going to play a role in how healthy you are yeah
0: that that is yeah i agree with that 100 percent. and i was just recently reading a book by Joseph Graves and Alan Goodman that it's called Racism Not Race, uh, it basically states that dividing uh, individuals into races has biological effects because by marginalizing individuals they're exposed as you mentioned to less healthy environment more stress and greater health problems so talking about stress you actually mentioned in your article causes of health inequities which again i recommend everybody to to read it's a it's a great um educational uh, piece um you mentioned weathering and allostatic load. Would you please explain the meaning of these hypotheses?
1: Allostatic load, I th- uh, sorry, or weathering, I should say, really, I think was promoted a lot by Arlene Geronimus at the University of Michigan. And she posited that the stress of living in this race-conscious society is associated with earlier health deterioration in Black people. I One of the most interesting uh, studies that she did was looking at telomere length from a sample of middle-aged women. And it looked at, uh, you know, associated using telomere length as a proxy for uh, aging, not chronological age. And they found that black women were biologically about seven and a half years older than white women of the same chronological age. And it's thought that this concept of weathering and allostatic load is related to this Chronic stress on the mind and the body that leads to higher inflammation and stress-related diseases, and it's been able to be measured using markers such as neuroendocrine, metabolic, cardiovascular, and inflammatory biomarkers, and in turn, that has been linked to diseases that end up complicating pregnancy such as preterm birth, low birth weight, and preeclampsia. So it, it seems that this chronic exposure to stress, you know, activates our hypothalamic pituitary axis in our immune system. And that could be the reason that we see an impact on placental functioning and pregnancy maintenance.
0: So besides the social determinants in your article, you also mentioned that at the provider level, we should strive to do better. Some of the ideas that we have are preconceived ideas, again, about race having biological impact. And for instance, in one o- in your article, you mentioned the underestimation and undertreatment of pain among minorities. These based on false beliefs that black people uh feel less pain and have thicker skin what other disservices have we witnessed based on false beliefs or or implicit bias
1: well i think that you know i think it's interesting when you mention the history of pain this probably goes back to the the foundings of medicine where there's a pseudoscience um, that was created around race where we actually believe that there are biological significant biologic differences. And in OB, this goes back to Marion Sims, who supposedly believed that the slaves that he operated on and experimented on did not feel pain to the same extent as white women. And I think it's fascinating in some ways that the extent to which hundreds of years later, some of these beliefs are still pervasive. And um, I I, I can't explain all of them, but I think, It's this goes back to this idea of biological determinism, where we falsely believe that um, people are different. There there are these biological differences based on race and that we're somehow genetically different, even though these superficial characteristics like skin color um, are, you know, carried on a very, very small, minute portion of the genome. um, When you look at um, the the differences that we see in, in outcomes, it could be... Um, related to this idea that, that patients um, do feel less pain. However, I think a lot of the issues that we see are probably related to uh, unconscious bias. You know, even, um, I, th- I remember Will Grobman has a paper that showed that uh, black women get have fewer vaginal exams during labor. And so when you see, uh, subsequent you know similar to that you see fewer pain assessments in studies um lower rates of receiving epidural blood patch despite having a documented postural puncture headache um a higher use of, of general anesthesia for cesarean delivery may be related to the fact that you know we assume it could be related to provider bias and also um, poor communication at the provider patient level and then when you look at the ways that we have uh, misrepresented race in medicine, one of the big issues is the way that we use race in our algorithms. And uh, there's a paper in the New England Journal of Medicine by um, Bias and, and colleagues, and they list a new a number of, of algorithms where race is the use of race is questionable and has a potential to cause harm. Thankfully, the VBAC calculator, the Vaginal Birth After Cesarean calculator has been updated and removes race. And they've come up with a a pretty accurate or a more accurate predictor despite removing race.
0: Another question here at the system level, you mentioned there are differences in access to prenatal care and maternity service based on race. So how does that difference in access to prenatal care affects the outcomes of our patients
1: you know anesthesiologists tend to see uh, pregnant patients at uh, you know during a very small window of their pregnancy uh, care however everything starts in the um, prenatal period and some people even talk about the interconception period where you may have baseline um, health issues that are not managed well you may have baseline diabetes or chronic hypertension uh, you're living with obesity and then you get pregnant and then despite having poor baseline health if you have if also have poor access to health care where your these these chronic health conditions are not managed uh, you can imagine how these things snowball and furthermore minoritized individuals tend to live in areas where they have poor access to health care um, even though medicaid expansion has occurred in so many states, we're still seeing disparities um, uh, on on that, according to race on that basis, where minority women tend to not have as um, much uh, Medicaid, uh, similar uh, Medicaid enrollment. And then we know that things like black serving hospitals are also tend to provide lower quality care. So all these things are integrated um, and all affect each other and interact.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting that you mentioned that hospitals that serve uh, more black patients tend to do worse than those that have a higher volume of white patients. So taking that in consideration, if you have an educated, insured woman of color that delivers at a what we will call a higher quality hospital or a hospital that delivers more uh, white patients. Are those patients doing better in those hospitals?
1: We still see disparities within hospitals according to race. And that's it's very hard to explain. And one can only speculate that there must be a component of bias that is, is we see that there are delays in care. There's um, tends to be a higher rate of failure to rescue uh, in terms of following up on patients who of color versus patients who are white um, when there are emergencies and they're deteriorating.
0: You mentioned the term failure to rescue, a terminology worth further explaining. A paper from Dr. Guglio Minotti published in 2021 looking to racial and ethnic disparities and failure to rescue. The authors comment that previous research on the contribution of the site of delivery to racial and ethnic disparities has demonstrated higher severe maternal morbidity rates in racial and ethnic minority women who delivered at minority serving hospitals, as well as in white serving hospitals. However, The severe maternal morbidity rate alone fails to assess hospital performance because it is primarily associated with patient characteristics. In contrast to the severe maternal morbidity rate, the failure to rescue from severe maternal morbidity rate incorporates hospital readiness, timely recognition, and interventions once severe maternal morbidity is recognized. Their findings demonstrated a higher failure to rescue in racial and ethnic minority women, which confirms that the site of delivery contributes significantly to racial and ethnic disparities in maternal health outcomes. The authors conclude that race and ethnicity should be interpreted as a risk marker for failure to rescue rather than a risk factor. With that cleared, I have one more question here what are the barriers to quality peripartum care of for women uh, of different racial backgrounds
1: well if you're take out the you, you know we already talked a lot about the social determinants of health um, we talked about the poor baseline health um less access to care um but we did also talked about the fact that patients may also despite having um you know being highly educated and having access to healthcare and and, and being health literate, uh, we still see differences. And so a lot of that um, could be related to provider communication, um, provider implicit bias. Um, We do know that there are higher levels of uh, historically of mistrust between uh, black patients and um, medical providers because of the historical, Issues where, for example, in research, um, you know, when we think, look back at the Tuskegee study, where there was significant racism involved in the way that the studies were carried out. So I think um, outside of medicine, even when you look at the widespread um, discrimination that black people will face, in, you know, when interacting with the police, for example, um, and in housing discrimination and so on, you can't expect patients to come into healthcare systems and suddenly feel that they're going to be treated differently. So I think um, there are a lot of social um, issues that are gonna play a role in, the, in creating um, equity in terms of the quality of care.
0: Yeah. As you mentioned, there is a lot of history and, and mistrust, and that is something that we need to work on. And what interventions or policy changes have been proposed or implemented to address maternal racial disparities in healthcare? I
1: think the the solutions are, are, are fairly clear and well laid out. You know, um, we talk about having greater access to health care and Medicaid expansion has occurred in many states, but we're still seeing states that have failed to expand Medicaid and expansion of Medicaid has been associated with decreased mortality and um, decreased severe maternal morbidity in in some instances. Um, We need to um, extend the duration of uh, pregnancy uh, health coverage for at least up to a year and even beyond. Uh, We need to create um, greater access to family leave for patients. There are patients who, once they're, you know, they, they deliver, they have to get back to work um, far more quickly than they likely should, probably before they have even fully recovered from their delivery experience. So I think on a systemic level, uh, on a federal level, we need to be looking at policy solutions such as um, what has been proposed in the Momnibus bill, and only parts of these have been um, passed.
0: Increasing access to care seems to be very important, but uh, but uh, again, there, there's a lot of social um, issues, right? We need to make sure that not only the patient has access to the healthcare, but also transportation to get there. So again, a lot of social issues play a role here, and I, I think, as you mentioned, uh, the the is it's doing a great job at trying to address. Um, a lot of these issues. So how can healthcare providers and institutions work to reduce and eliminate racial disparities in maternal healthcare?
1: I think one of the key factors uh, is protocolizing care using evidence-based care. We know that, for example, in California, by introducing um, hemorrhage bundles of care where you sort of standardize the care for all patients, you tend to improve health outcomes overall but you see a, a particularly um, greater improvement in outcomes for minority patients. Uh, at the institutional level, I think you need to think about the way you deliver care. I know that many institutions will have, um, don't have pair agnostic care. So you do find that there are different uh, tiers of care for patients who say are on Medicaid versus patients who have a private commercial health insurance. I think you need to, invest in education of your staff for example investing in simulation based education having regular drills uh, making sure that your staff is constantly kept up to date on this you know the, the most recent um, evidence and that they're providing that level of care i think um, training on re- communication practices teaching uh, your staff about trauma-informed care principles, teaching about cultural humility, um, teaching ab- about how to properly use interpreters and have access to interpreters. Um, I think, and also th- investing in having a diverse healthcare workforce, I think all of those factors together will um, t- uh, result in improved uh, health outcomes for everyone, and especially for minority patients.
0: And I think there is definitely a great potential there. As you mentioned, California is doing a better job than a lot of other states uh, because they have protocolized a lot of their management, right? And um, I find it very interesting because there is an article here uh, by Saluja and a research team that came out in the Journal of Women's Health 2021. They state that the potential influence of implicit bias is actually especially relevant in settings that are prone to overload or high stress. For example, the emergency department and labor and delivery setting. I think that. When you have protocols, then you take away that implicit bias. You don't, got, you don't have chance to uh, let implicit bias take a role uh, in the care of these patients. So I think, again, education and protocols, I agree, that are going to be very important. There seems to be some evidence towards that. Um, also, I want to point out that you actually just published uh, a study Uh, that look into diversity on the workforce, uh, particularly nurse workforce. Can you talk us a little bit more about that work and and how does that prove your your point that you just made?
1: Well, we found that you have um, improved outcomes in states that have higher levels of nurse workforce diversity. And what I found interesting in that was that there was, there were better outcomes for minority patients, but also for um, white women. And I think, um, again, this points to the fact that if you improve diversity, you're gonna improve the, the health outcomes for all. And diversity has been shown, you know, and we, we talk about this business case for diversity. We know that when you have more diverse health uh, care teams, you are better able to problem solve. Um, you have better um, able to to deal with patients of of all different. Uh, you know we deal with a very diverse patient um, population, and so having a diverse workforce all together ties into to improved outcomes and better quality care.
0: Yeah, so I, I agree a hundred percent. And I again, I recommend these uh, your study that came out in AJOG. Uh, 2022. All the articles that we're mentioning here will be on the website link. So regarding implicit bias, we, we've been talking about implicit bias, and, and I'm actually very interested because there's a project called the Harvard Project Implicit. And do we know if acknowledging the results from this test and receiving education about implicit bias as part of that education that you mentioned before, may help with improving patient care,
1: the the, the space of, of implicit bias and training and use of the implicit association test is very controversial. And I think one of the criticisms of even implicit bias training is that there are so many, there's so much potential for backlash for people to have denial. And it sometimes even causes patient uh, providers to fall back on stereotypes. So i think there's a lot of room for better research to see whether or not this training actually results in um, differences in real world outcomes so i think there's a lot more work to be done Um, i think i personally think there must be a role just raising awareness of the impact of implicit bias i i know that it's um affected the way i personally um, look at my patients and approach my patients being aware that i I'm subject to my own implicit biases, so you know. I, I, as I said, it's it's hard to know because there is insufficient um, research um, looking at um, actual behavior outcomes. Most of the studies that have been done look at self-efficacy, whether or not uh, the participants report that they feel that um, more or better equipped. To deal with um, diverse patients and, and to address their own bias, but it's hard to prove.
0: Uh, that project, implicit bias, it's it's really good. It gives you a lot of insight. Um, definitely, you know, you need to take that information and you know make sure that you take that into account when you're caring for patients. And it's very important to realize that we all have biases. Uh, it, is, it is almost impossible to say that there is a person without biases because it's, it's, it's what's ingrained in our, uh, in our culture, the way we were raised. Uh, bias is everywhere. It doesn't have to be related to race. It can be related to many other things. So we all have our biases, and we, we actually need to acknowledge them to start working on them. And I I think there's a very famous quote uh, by James Baldwin that states, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. So knowing your biases is the key to start making change. At least that's how I see it. What are your thoughts?
1: No, I agree. I think um, the other thing is that I think that as a culture, we tend to want to turn away from this idea that we all have um, all could be a little bit racist. We all have moments when we slip and um, we can be perpetrators of, of you know, unconscious bias in terms of, of, of causing harms to our patients. And so I think if we don't face up to that, we can never solve that as an issue. And I think there's sufficient evidence um, regarding the disparities in, in outcomes and um, quality of care being provided. I think it's time for us to face up to this and as physicians, all come together um, and and be focused on solving this major issue um, when it comes to healthcare delivery in this country.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, I like to end uh, my podcast with uh, the top five recommendations from the interview. And uh, 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 this will give you an opportunity to mention anything that hasn't been mentioned that you think it's important to address or decrease racial disparities. So what would you consider to be Dr. Lee's top five recommendations to decrease racial disparities and improve maternal health care with that?
1: I think we um, need to, on a macro level, look at the effect of systemic racism um, and the impact on the social determinants of health. I thought it was really powerful when the CDC came out and said systemic racism is a public health threat and call for greater investment in minority communities and hospitals that serve minorities so i think on a a larger level even though we can make changes um you know at the individual level nothing is going to really be achieved without looking at the larger macro level of 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 addressing um, systemic racism in our society i think we also need to implement policies that such as those that are integrated into that omnibus bill things like extending healthcare, medicaid expansion um, at the institutional level some of it we talked about already but we need to protocolize care increase the quality of of care across the board train staff invest in especially particularly focus on on the minority serving hospitals and we need education at the provider level in terms of teaching the I, uh, optimal provider um, communication practices. A lot of this, for example, is nonverbal. Um, how how do you talk to a patient who is mistrustful of you? Perhaps take a seat, um, meet them at eye level, understand the power differentials. All of that is a part of having patient-centered care and trauma-informed care. And I think a lot of us, especially um, you know, in the older generation, uh, uh, have not been exposed to some of this training. And um, we need to do a better job educating our patients i think there's a lot of evidence to show that their health literacy in the united states is very very poor and so we need to provide better patient education Um, we need to also make sure that these are um, language you know provided in the patient's um, preferred language and at the correct grade level in terms of reading so I think those would be my my top five.
0: Those are great five recommendations. Um, I want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, Dr. Lee, uh, you're a leading expert on this field. So I really, again, want to thank you for your time. Thank you so much for uh, providing our audience with this great uh, information. Thank you so much. Have a great day.
1: Thank you for having me.